right, we're on. I get really caught up in that music and start dancing. But anyway, I'm Dan Lukowitz. This is another great episode of Dan on Top. I've got with us today Sean Katona, landlord and commercial real estate investor at Simplified Properties. Sean, how you doing? Good, Dan. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Appreciate you taking the time here to be on the show with us today. Excited to do it. So listen, before we get into what you do, Sean, tell us who you are. Who is Sean Katona? I am a full-time real estate investor or landlord, uh, predominantly focused on shopping centers now, but I've invested in single-family homes, apartment buildings. I have some mobile home park and portfolio, some self-storage units. Uh, I've done it across about seven different states uh, over the last decade now. Uh, so, you know, have had tastes of a variety of asset classes and geography now. Awesome. So how did you get into real estate investing in the first place? Yeah, when I was working at Microsoft, uh, I you know had saved up a little bit of money and was trying to figure out what uh, to invest in. And so I fumbled my way through a couple of rental properties, accidentally turned flips and kind of wet my whistle there, got excited, got started. And then, you know, spent the next few years kind of building and growing and getting a lot of help from coaches and mentors to really um, fast forward and take things to the next level versus just fumbling my way through it, figuring it all out the hard way. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And and why specifically retail? Um, You know what? It's a little bit of a contrarian play right now. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar and comfortable with single family. You know, we understand how apartment buildings work. Um, But when it comes to retail, I just found that my money stretches almost twice as far. Uh, I've got, you know, assets in Arizona now and there's you know headlines in the news that are spooking people about retail right now you see big boxes going under all the time and so it's just been a category where I'm able to stretch my dollars a lot farther and our investors who invest alongside of us I think they're able to get much better returns than let's say some of the apartment building deals that I've looked yeah. at or certainly what I was doing in single family it's like a an extra comma and more zeros behind it in a lot of cases yeah Absolutely. And, and why specifically shopping centers? Yeah, for, for a lot of those same reasons, right? I think about retail and shopping centers is kind of the same, the same asset class in, in, in a lot of cases, but uh, I'm just getting uh, more lucrative deals there. And I think there's less competition uh, and there's better cash on cash returns than what I've seen in a lot of other asset classes. That being said, you know, I still do passively invest in other people's deals. So like I mentioned, I, I'm invested in a mobile home park now, some self-storage. I own a, a piece of some Class A apartment buildings in Dallas and St. Louis. And so uh, all those have gotten me to what you know, I would consider good double-digit returns where we've got you know, cash flow and loan pay down and uh, appreciation and depreciation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as a net lease broker, I deal a lot with single-tenant net leased assets in the retail space, as well as multi-tenant. And in fact, pre-COVID, I was selling a ton of shopping centers here in Michigan. And I really believe that the you know for the shopping center investor, there's a nice window of opportunity that's opening up because you know for the last year, the market has really pulled away from shopping centers uh, due to everything that's been going on in the world and and all the bankruptcies and vacancies, et cetera, et cetera. I do believe that there is a great opportunity in multi-tenant retail, and I, I you know kudos to you for for you know following that contrarian investing mindset and, and really chasing after that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I, I continue to focus on it, even through all this craziness. I mean, last year, I basically sat on the sidelines. The, the three deals that I was in escrow to buy, uh, we pulled back on. In fact, my lender just shut down shop. They stopped in the middle of our transaction. They said, hey, we're, we're no longer doing this loan and we're no longer doing any loans. Uh, and so that's going to create some opportunities. You know, credit is... is um, and there's distress and the pandemic has obliterated a lot of businesses and there's some retail landlords that are going to need some help and maybe some bailouts. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in retail that was already antiquated and tired. And so we need to make it relevant for consumer preferences today and, you know, probably repurpose and, and, you know, find smarter ways to use some of this really well-located real estate on Main and Main. Yeah, absolutely. No question about that. So now are you specifically, uh, invested in a certain locale? Yeah, so I, I live in Orange County, but I just didn't like the numbers here. Uh, it's like a sub four cap market for the most part in almost every asset class. So I cast a little bit of a, a wider net. And a few years ago, I really got into a groove in Phoenix. And I like that for a lot of reasons. I mean, if you look at the growth of population, it's it's you know, jaw dropping. I think it's probably top three in the country now, right up there with Florida and Texas. You look at the very employer friendly uh, environment. A lot of businesses are, are moving employees down there or headquarters. Uh, it's also a very landlord friendly environment. And we've had a couple successful transactions with shopping centers back to back to back to back where, we're, you know, we bought them underperforming with high vacancy, turned them around and, and made a nice profit. And so that's helped to build, you know, my resume and my, my bio a little bit with brokers in that community. And so I'm finally starting to get some, some advanced looks, some pocket listings. And, you know, rather than being, you know, an unknown, like people are recognizing my name, they see me on trades. And so, you know, they know that you can close on a transaction when they present it to you. Yeah, that's really important. As a broker sitting across from you, you know, I, I definitely can say that if, if you're a performer, as a broker, we want to work with performers, you know, every day of the week. So good for you for finding the ways to be successful in that regard. And, you know, I, I just hope that you continue to keep it up and have success. Well, you know, Dan, like guys like you are so critical to my success because I rely heavily on brokers to bring us that that deal flow. And so I, you and I talked about this the other day, you know, yeah. my model has been anytime, you know, you bring me a value add deal, what I'm going to do is fix it up, you know, do the parking lot, do the new sign, retenant the building, make it look beautiful, get those new leases on there, extend the leases that are already there. But then I'm generally going to take it right back out to market with you. I want to test the market. You know, we've got the building dialed in, so it's very suitable for a 1031 buyer. They've got a turnkey asset that they can enjoy for years to come. But you know, I've really done my value proposition there and, and turned it around. So uh, I try and create the situation where you guys can double or triple dip wherever possible. There you go. Appreciate that. As I mentioned to you on our last call, I've got uh, a value add high vacancy deal in Phoenix that I'm working on that has your name all over it. So very cool, right? Yeah, excited to take a look at that one. Awesome. Well, hey, do you have like a favorite deal size or a certain price spectrum that you work in? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've I've tried to find the sweet spot here where it's a little bit bigger than what, you know, your your mom and pop investor could maybe do on their own, but smaller than what the institutional guys will get out of bed and pursue. So, mm -hmm. you know, the big boys in my experience aren't looking at stuff under 10 million really. Um and so my my stuff is typically in the two to eight million dollar range. And one of my metrics has become, you know, does it have 50 percent upside? So 
for shopping centers, usually that's going to mean a lot of vacancy. And so I'll yeah. buy it based on performance today, you know, not what it's going to be worth in the future, but Hey, you know, given the fact that you're 50% vacant, this is probably going to be a per foot valuation. And, you know, they understand that they're leaving some meat on the bone when they sell the building like that. But, you know, a lot of these guys are so wealthy, they, they could care less. They're like, look, this thing's a headache. I want it off my plate. I've got a lot of other interests and a lot of things that I'd rather be spending my time on. And, you know, I'm willing to go in there and do that ground game, that hand-to-hand combat, and manage the construction and the TI and all the things that go along with turning around one of these buildings to get it back to its, uh, its pro forma value, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in that market, in the Phoenix uh, metropolitan statistical area where you you work, what are you seeing for high uh, vacancy? What are you seeing in terms of a per foot valuation on the assets that you're looking at? Sorry, Dan, my audio, my my AirPod dropped for half of that. You have to do a repeat for me. Yeah. So in the market that you work in, in the the Phoenix MSA, for a property with high vacancy, what are you seeing as a per square foot uh, price in terms of the deals that you're looking at? Yeah, great question. So the last transaction that I closed was about $70 a foot. It was 66% vacant. Um, I think I paid a one cap for it. So so look, that, that was mid 80s bones. You know, it, it has a, a good structure. The roof was in decent shape. I am redoing the parking lot. I am redoing the sign. I'm going to, you know, put a decent amount into the TI allowance and get those boxes looking good. You know, I've sold stuff on the back end for 150, 180 a foot. I mean, that varies widely depending on what sure. neighborhood you're in. You know, something in Scottsdale is going to be very different than Mesa, Arizona, and, sure. and and the age of the building too. So I love the stuff that's 1980s or newer, 1990s or newer. It's still you know relevant and not functionally obsolete like some of the stuff that was built way back before then. Yeah, that makes total sense. I like that you. So it sounds like you've really. You've done a great job of locating your value add, you know, in terms of, of price point, right? Which which makes total sense because you're looking at things that other you know institutional investors aren't looking at, and maybe mom and pop investors aren't looking at. And you've you've really you know located your type of building, the era of construction, all these different things. I think it's really really important and great that you were able to um, you know dial those in so well. I, I got a question for you. Talk to us a little bit about that process of filling up vacancy in these assets? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's probably, it's probably one of the number one questions that my investors ask of me, or even brokers, they're going, Sean, like, this thing's been vacant for years. It's sitting at 50% vacant today. Like, why on earth do you think you're going to be able to fill it up? Or what's, what's going to be different, right, under this new ownership versus the, the legacy ownership? And so, um, I bring, you know, a marketing background to to the real estate business. And so I just I try and do a lot of the things that great marketers do. We put, you know, professional photos together. We do a gorgeous drone video. It's professionally edited. It's got beautiful graphic overlays. Um, I get a microsite set up or a landing page. We put a Facebook page together. Basically, want to arm my leasing brokers or all the tenant reps out there with the materials that they need to attract a tenant to the space. And then I'll spend some money. You know, I'll, I'll do things like Facebook marketing with geo-targeted ads around the shopping center. We'll spend money on mailers. You know, I'll pay full commissions to my brokers. Um, I'll help my tenants with the TI allowance. And I don't think that that's a, a 
necessarily a brand new trick in the book, but some landlords aren't willing to do that. And especially a lot of the guys that I buy buildings from, you know, they don't want to stroke a TI check. They're not interested in spending that time or money with, with some of the marketing materials. Uh, and, and so it's just, it's, I guess, some freshness and some, some modern day marketing uh, tools and technology that we can apply to leasing up a shopping center. And I think, you know, my, my goal is always, can I take, you know, what might be a nine month lease up period and compress that down to nine weeks. Mm. And that might be a little ambitious, but you're saying, Hey, we'll do 10 times the outreach. We'll do 10 times the effort. We'll put 10 times the marketing lines in the water. And I think we're going to be able to do it a lot faster. That's awesome. So it sounds like in addition to leveraging technology and really putting, you know, full force um, in terms of marketing, you're also creating a partnership with your tenants. Yeah, right. Because their success is our success. If 100%. their business is booming and they can pay rent, your landlord's happy. My investor partners are happy. My broker partners are happy because we can turn around and you know resell that asset or certainly refinance it at the very least at our new valuation and, and hopefully pull out some of that initial cash that we put in and you know uh, buy, rinse, repeat, and do that over and over and over again. Yeah, I love it. You're creating what I like to call win-win-win, which is where everybody wins, right? And I, I love those because that almost forces people to want to work together again, right? Because if you win, I win, the other people win, then why wouldn't we do more business together? And I think that that is a remarkable and incredible attitude to have when it comes to commercial real estate investing. So kudos to you on that, Sean. Um, you know, while we're on that topic, uh, the whole topic of this episode with commercial real estate investing, I'm very curious to hear your take on why you believe it's better to invest in commercial real estate uh, as opposed to the general equities markets. Yeah, that's that's a great question. It's a total personal preference thing, right? Like what I noticed with you know, my portfolio in the market or my 401k is that uh, it, it, it sometimes it just felt like Vegas almost. I, I was <laughs> you know, not certain if it was going up or down. It felt like a roller coaster. You know, there was a lot of volatility and truly no control. Right. I had no idea whether, you know, Tesla or Apple or Microsoft were going to do all the right things. I think, you know, companies like that probably are. But what what attracted me to really real estate at large was the certainty and the predictability of it, right? I know that, you know, if I do a good job, my tenants are going to pay the rent every month and that we're going to pay down the mortgage every month and that Uncle Sam will probably keep printing more money. So there's going to be some inflation and, uh, you know, our buildings, our fixed assets are going to appreciate in value over the long haul and that we've got tax advantages uh, that are very favorable to people that own real estate, especially things like, you know, depreciation and cost segregation and the ability to accelerate depreciation. So when I stack those four profit centers together, cash flow plus loan pay down or equity buildup, appreciation and depreciation, you know, that, that can get us to some really lucrative double digit returns without a whole lot of variance. You know, it almost it almost feels like insider trading in a way we call it due diligence right in commercial but you know i know with a high degree of certainty that this building is going to go up 30 or 40 or 50 percent in value because of what i'm buying it at and that's why i like fixer uppers in distressed commercial because i can force appreciation into that building without sitting around just waiting 
Uh, right. So it's, it's kind of supercharging all those wonderful characteristics that already exist. That being said, look, I got silver in portfolio. I've got a bunch of equities. I bought a lot of the REITs when they were 30 or 40% down. So, you know, the majority of my wealth is in commercial real estate now, but, um, you know, I, I like I like some of those other asset classes too. I just think not a lot of people are out there talking about what you and I do every day. And you know, the big boys on Wall Street. When you think about the Fidelities and the Schwabs and and you know the trillions of dollars that they manage and the fees that they generate, uh, there's a reason why they want to keep that money in the market. That's right. That's right. I love it, man. I agree with you 100% on, on all of those uh, reasons for investing in commercial real estate. Well, we've got about a minute and a half left, Sean. You've added some tremendous value to our viewers, I'm sure of it. And you know, you've been doing this a long time. You've got a lot of great experience. If you could go back in time, I love asking this question to people. If you could go back in time, knowing everything that you know now, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, where do I begin, right? You could write a book on that. <laughs> I think probably one of the biggest things that it was like a 50 yard pass to the end zone versus running the ball two or three yards at a time was finding great coaches, great mentors who had Absolutely. already accomplished, you know, what it was that I was looking to do. And, you know, today I'm still very involved in a couple different mastermind groups. And so I find surrounding myself with other very successful real estate investors who are doing the business at a high level, it just, it kind of gives me this Jedi counsel. So that's they're right. poking holes in my deals. You know, that that's the jam. Love it. A hundred percent. Surround yourself with great people. You'll do great things. Sean, it's been a pleasure having you here on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to provide such incredible value to our viewers. Awesome, Dan. Great to be with you. I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host of Dan on Top. This has been a great time. Really appreciate guys like Sean coming on the show. Listen, we'll look forward to seeing you soon next time.